Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Well, we have almost wrapped up this special series, Journey Towards God. Not that I'm keen to wrap it up. I know it's gone for a long time, for several weeks now, but it is so important. It matters so much. You know, understanding the journey of life and making sense of the journey of life is just so important. Anyway, another couple of nights and it will be wrapped up. This is uh, a Journey Towards God tonight and we're going to continue about the, continue talking about and thinking about, reflecting on how we make that journey and how we make sense of it all. Where do we go from here? The cold reality of death confronts us daily. The obituary page of the newspaper is just one of many reminders that we are all destined to die. Sorry to bring you to a reminder of this grim reality, but it's true, isn't it? Even a nutritious diet, regular exercise, super vitamins, best medical care won't prevent death. But will death mean the end of our existence? Or is there a future life? And if so, what will it be like? And can we do anything to get ready for it? This week we wrap up this series called Journey Towards God by looking closely at what the Bible says in answer to these perplexing and troubling and very important questions. And my hope is that these programs will help you to live a more fulfilling life and encourage you to be prepared for what will happen to you when you do die. Those who talk about going to heaven have often been accused of just, you know, whistling in the dark. Now, most of us know what that means. You know, we can remember scary moments, enduring power failures when we were kids, walking down a lonely street on the blackest night. We feared the worst and hoped for the best. Is that what we're doing now when we think about hell or speak about heaven? Or is all the talk about the terrors of hell and the joys of heaven just a product of overzealous ancestors who wanted to scare people into being good? An atheist, of course, would argue that thoughts of immortality are only dreams. He would say that man and beast are products of chance and destined for the same fate, extinction, annihilation. A sceptic would not be able to come to any conclusions on this issue because he feels he doesn't have enough objective evidence. A Marxist would call all the religious explanations of life and God mere illusions. Karl Marx, in fact, said that religion was just the opiate of the people, a way of getting us high on hope and ignoring the cold emptiness of life and death. A Hindu thinks of the present life as one of many lives in a cycle of births, deaths and rebirths. When the individual eventually becomes good enough, he achieves eternal bliss as he as he's absorbed, absorbed into the universal spirit. And that means ceasing to exist as an individual being snuffed out like a candle flame. A Buddhist lives a highly disciplined life in order to extinguish all desire and to attain a vague, impersonal existence he calls nirvana. Again, it means the end of personal, individual consciousness and existence. A Muslim devotes his life to the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad in an attempt to make himself worthy of acceptance into paradise and to escape the torments of hell. It's a straightforward matter of legalism. There's a law. You need to earn your place in paradise by keeping the laws. A hardened criminal may scoff at the idea of hell and say, I'd just as soon go to hell. It's where all my friends are going to be. Or he might say, I'd rather go to hell. It's where all the fun people will be. Well, of course, they won't be having any fun, but that's another story. And we'll get to that later. A poodle owner, fanatical about her pet, may think of heaven as a place where she and Fifi will be reunited forever. I've actually heard of a man who rejected Christian belief because it did not include a specific place in heaven for his dog. Weird, I know, but some people are like that. 
A battered wife may believe that she is enduring hell right here, right now. All she wants is to escape from the hell of the present moment. A playboy laughs at the thought of judgment and lives only for the pleasures of the moment. Often he'll think that he can find a way to come to terms with God, you know, do a deal. But later, later, much later, just doesn't want to think about such things now. A follower of Jesus may give up a great deal, perhaps fame, perhaps fortune in this life, knowing that he will receive God's approval in the life to come. A college student may be so overwhelmed by the diversity of religious beliefs in his university that he loses all certainty of where he's going in the next life. Or in this life, if it comes to that. Confusion becomes all. An eight-year-old probably worries more about getting into trouble, getting a hiding from mum or dad, than he does about his future concern with God, his future encounter with God. So who's right? Does anybody really know how to sort out the fantasy from the reality? Which of these people I've just listed is really whistling in the dark? Who knows what death will bring? Well now, what will happen at death? Is it a really a journey into eternity? A journey towards God? And if so, what is eternity like? What will this experience be like? Some people claim to know what will happen when they die. But how can they be so sure? Not through such things as space probes or archaeological digs? The answer or from science or mathematics? The answer comes only from the Creator God, the intelligent designer of the universe, the big brain behind the Big Bang, the one who created life and holds all of us accountable. He is the one whose son, this bloke Jesus, experienced death for us on our behalf to prepare us for eternity. God's voice can be heard in the Bible, a book that speaks with the real authority, real authority on the subjects of death and eternity. The author, the creator God himself, is the expert on life and death. The Bible speaks of this life in this world as being only a brief moment in our existence, you know, mere 70 or 80 years, maybe a little more, if we have a strong constitution. And this, it says, is followed by death, resurrection, judgment, and finally an eternal existence in one of two destinations, one of two possible final states. Now, in what follows, I will look very carefully at each of those four stages of life beyond the grave. The first fact to be quite clear about is that death is a door into another world. That is, uh, if you like, you could call that the definition of death. Death is a door into another world. The word death means an entrance into another world or passing from one world into another. One dictionary I looked up defined death as the actual fact of dying. Well, we can restate that as the actual fact of passing from one world into another. The evidence that a person has passed from one world to another is that their life in the first world has ceased to function. So when life in this world comes to an end, that is the sign, the evidence that life has begun in another world. We sometimes speak of death as passing over or just passing for short. And that's what it is, a passing from one world to another, an entrance into another world. That's the most basic fact about death. People often joke that there are only two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. But that's not true, is it? And many people have been known to cheat the tax collector, avoid payment. Ever heard of bottom of the harbour schemes? The cash economy? Companies registered in the Cook Islands? People getting away with cheating on tax? Death, however, cannot be cheated. No cheating there. No bottom of the harbour schemes for death. Another big mistake is the idea that death ends all our problems. That's why some people sadly commit suicide. 
They think that if they're dead, all their troubles will be over. Big mistake. Big mistake. Unless they're prepared for death in the way that God requires and the way that God makes possible, death is just the start of their real problems. Now, of course, it's true that after we die, we will not have to face the tax office, listen to an angry boss or deal with problem children or cope with pain from cancer, but we will have to face God. Death is our journey towards God. Death is not the easy way out. It will be a gain for some and a loss for others, and many people are in for a big surprise. So then, what is death? What sort of a thing is this passing from one life to the next? Well, it's not a good thing. Death is an ugly beast. It comes to us like a fictional dragon, with snorting nostrils and blazing breath, intent on devouring us. Death is bad. The Bible speaks of death as the last enemy. And as such, it is the last enemy that Jesus will destroy. The Bible says, As all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The bit of the Bible that tells me that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 22 to 26. There's no use in trying to gloss over its awfulness and the unnaturalness of death. After all, God did not create men and women to wear out and be thrown away like broken toys. But, at the same time, death is the end of school and the beginning of the real career. It is the end of the overture, the beginning of the real show. It is passing from the lobby into the main part of the building. Unless we face that fact, we will not have a clear understanding of our journey into eternity, our journey towards God. Here's our thought for the night, and our thought for the night tonight comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 22 to 26. The Bible says, As all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.